And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I am recording. Gladiators already. What was his name? John Anderson. Yes, it was. <clears throat> Not the John Anderson, but it was a John Anderson. George, you may go on my first whistle. Two seconds. Alice has just come out. I'm just going to shout down to say I'm just about to record the pod. So. Right, has anybody got anything to say about Chris? Hello, just about there. to record the pod. Prick. Little prick. Little, little sausage okay, love, prick. Hello, you all right? Sausage prick. Sausage prick. Oh, Hi, Chris. He's such a lovely lad, though. I know, no, I've, I, I just love working with him. He's yeah. um, he's one of the great Honestly. guys in football and yeah. journalism. Hi, Chris, you're back. Great. <laughs> Very good. Right. Hello, I'm Taylor Payne. Welcome to Pod on the Time, the Athletics' Newcastle United podcast. And it's been a tough week. Fatigue has kicked in. Fitness issues abound and tempers have begun to fray. And that's just the Pod on the Time team. Uh, George Corkin is here. How are you doing, George? You all right? Yes, I'm still stuck in London's fashionable London district. Oh, lovely. In the borough of London. Yes. Ooh. Thankfully, I've escaped the uh, the travel mayhem because I came down on Saturday. But, God, I really feel for those people who, who struggled, struggled, yeah. struggled to get down to get down yesterday. And then some couldn't get back last night because late trains were cancelled. And what a bloody mess in the middle of the day, i.e. Newcastle United playing football. So, Absolutely. not good, not good. How are you? I'm all right, George. Yeah, I'm not too bad at all. It's been a busy weekend. Um, I'm feeling a little bit tired of voice, but that's okay. That's fine. It just adds a, a sort of rough gruffness to the proceedings, doesn't it? Uh, Chris Woff's here as well. Chris, how are you? Are you tired because you felt you had to sort of like, you know mirror the team a little bit? Come on, this podcast fatigue. two podcasts a week since the start of the season, Chris. It's, you know, eventually it's going to catch up. I'm the only one who's played in every game, <laughs> you know. Eventually, it's going to catch up, isn't That's, it? This is interesting because I'm sure we'll talk about Newcastle United's away form. I would like to talk about Chris Woff's away form because, yet again, I'm sent to the wilds of the south to cover Newcastle. Yet again, they lose. And Chris is going to be pontificating and spouting his usual nonsense safely in the bosom of his own home. And here I am down here. So, Chris, what gives you the right to discuss Newcastle United's miserable away form when your for- away form is just as bad, if not worse? Well, I did go just around the corner to Merseyside, as the Premier League seemed to think Merseyside is from Tyneside, <laughs> given every single season they have the game midweek, yeah. both legs, basically, both home and away. Um, so, yes, but, you know, that I didn't go south of the Watford Gap. How, so I how right. I'll tell you I what, right. Jacob... That lad, Jacob, how insufferable has he become? He was back at Goodison uh, this weekend and cr- crowing. Uh, how quickly they forget these people. Can we Can we just... Well, he's a glory boy, isn't he? Though? He's gone back there now. They're glory winning hunter, games. yeah. He's gone back, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. I saw the tweet from him when Ducouri scored on on, uh, on Sunday and it just had, Goal! Ducouri scores! And I just went onto Twitter and went, mute. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> mute, <laughs> delete, finish. delete, block. <laughs> 
That's the end of a beautiful, could have been a beautiful relationship. Don't give no, me it's attention. Finished. It's finished. It's That's finished. It. Absolutely. Right then, uh, we'd hoped for a, for a super Sunday, hadn't we? And the, the lasses did their bit, more on that later. But it was a soggy, saggy slog of a Sunday for Eddie Howe's mags and all those fans who trekked down to London to cheer them on. And as George mentioned before, damaged train lines between Peterborough and Grantham down the East Coast main line and thousands of Geordies travelling to North London had to improvise. Uh, once again, the new ticketing system came into focus and the club missed an opportunity to win some goodwill with a bit of assistance or at least some helpful communications, Chris, didn't they? Yes, and the Newcastle United Supporters Trust tweeted yesterday morning basically saying that we've been calling for the ability to transfer a small number of tickets for away games just for this kind of emergency. They said they'd spoken to the club and been told there's no contingency for this kind of situation, unfortunately. I mean, that's a very specific focus of this, I suppose, and maybe it's something the club should look at going forward, but it's just a frustrating situation. Unfortunately, these these things will happen. If it's in London, then there are such a huge Newcastle following down there of supporters who, who in theory could go but yeah it was just frustrating for everyone that the day turned out how it did and the supporters I mean it sounded if you if you look at some of the stories of people getting oh, there awful. planes trains automobiles the, the cliche but the way that people tried and, and and many succeeded in getting there some unfortunately failed but I'm sure that there was significant costs that yeah. people had to bear unfortunately to get there which is which is very very frustrating but people just want to follow this team and for the ones who did get there unfortunately it wasn't a particularly happy afternoon absolutely not George those away fans will go above and beyond every single week won't for the team they will get to the game it doesn't matter how they have to do it uh, and it's a shame isn't it that this has happened again and it seems to be football fans who end up uh, bearing the brunt of these issues isn't it of course it is because there's absolutely no consideration for travelling fans when it comes to choosing matches for television for example again you know this is a I mean this is not an unusual kickoff time 4.30 on a on a on a Sunday except that it always puts pressure on people trying to do the game in a day trying to do it on the trains it means a rush back afterwards and again as I said at the start you know those late late last trains were were cancelled and the Premier League the broadcasters do take travelling fans for for granted because they know they'll travel just one very quick kind of quick thing on 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 Newcastle and their kind of response to it and and you you know you sort of mentioned communication there were a couple of tweets from the sort of main club account yesterday things like en route to the capital safe travels to everyone making the trip to Tottenham this afternoon and London calling and things like that I mean completely and utterly innocuous and you know we're not having not having a go at them particularly except that it didn't quite read the room when you know Newcastle fans were really really struggling to get there and yeah there does I mean we know that the ticketing issue is a work in progress and we know that there has to be uh, some real sort of serious you know serious examination of what they can do it's not fair that people who can't travel are then unable to to give their tickets to mates who might be able to go you want the away end to be full and bouncing and yeah I mean it was just it it definitely put that into sharper focus well done to to everybody who who got there yesterday and yeah I'm just sorry you had to witness that performance yeah there'll still be a lot of lads and lasses stranded in London today as well won't they who probably had to take days off work and that kind of thing and we don't consider all of that at the time so going south proved very difficult for the fans but things went south quite quickly for the team didn't they Chris Uh, despite a couple of early chances yeah I mean I thought Newcastle started poorly for five to ten minutes and then I actually thought they got a bit of a foothold in the game I thought early on 
Bruno had a few nice passes. Joe Linton started quite well. Um, there was a lovely ball in behind for, for Anthony Gordon, um, which created the chance for, for Alexander Isak. Uh, already, Gordon had won the ball high and misplaced a pass to Isak, who would have basically been clear in the box. It was that a similar issue at Everton, where the, sort of, the, the high press worked at times and then nicked possession, but then decision-making in the final third wasn't there and the Isak one I mean it was a one it was a, it was a wonderful ball in behind by Joe Linton Gordon carries it maybe carries it slightly too far but equally it's not really his fault he puts the ball across and I, I, I didn't think Isak looked he was almost waiting for the ball to come to him and obviously that gave Davis the ability to, to flick the ball onto him and I, I, it just Isak doesn't quite seem right at the minute I mean he's, he's, he's come back and had to play five matches in succession haven't had an injury which kept him out for a month that's not me digging him out I'm just saying it hasn't been the perfect return for him in terms of the football he's had to play and after about 15-20 minutes I thought suddenly Newcastle's midfield having functioned all right early on looked like it was almost running in treacle they were they were just getting overrun at certain points weren't tracking runners and yeah once once Spurs took the lead in quite disappointing fashion in terms of that Udogi coming inside and, and, and runners not really tracking Q and Trippier gets done by Son the ball comes back and, and, and Udogi scores Bruno Gimaraes doesn't follow him uh, Lascelles doesn't really gamble at the front post and try and clear it and then once Spurs took the lead I'll, I'll be honest I, I didn't see Newcastle coming back they did have a moment in the second half which we're going to come on to but it's just they've only picked up one point from losing positions as I said uh, on the podcast the other day and it just felt like it was a long way back already by that stage. It certainly did. Uh, Spurs boss Big Ange lamented his squad's injuries after the game. I'll read Ange. Uh, but uh, they were only missing two or three first teamers, weren't they? And it showed. They looked brighter, sharper, stronger and snappier across the pitch, didn't they, George? Totally, yeah. No, they, they were by far the better team. I mean, he also expressed empathy and sympathy for for Newcastle and Eddie Howe. And sort of, I mean, he made quite an interesting point, which is that if you take two big players out of any Premier League team they're going to suffer and I think we're seeing a lot of that this season actually that the gap is closing um, between a lot of t- a lot of teams and as soon as you're you're missing one pl- one big player two big player three big players you're going to struggle and Newcastle of course are missing far more than that but Spurs were very good I mean I've, I've sort of tried to express express this I did a bit of this last week as well that um, you know we have to have a lot of sympathy for the for the for the management staff for the and for the playing staff in particular who were putting their bodies on the line and getting through it at the same time Newcastle really weren't very good <laughs> against Spurs the same the same as against Everton we know that there's a kind of reason for it or there's we know that there's really good excuses for for it if you're looking for it but they've set their own standards as a team and a club and if they want to be judged as a big club as a big team which they are and they do then you know it's it is okay to look at that performance and say that's not good enough and again there's no sort of crying within the the first team setup they know that Eddie Howe knows that you know the 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 injury suspensions they're there for everybody to see but as he said yesterday even if they're having to adapt to that they should be able to find a way to get a result to get a win there are other ways to win games I thought it was interesting Newcastle were clearly playing on the counter-attack at the start they've got the pace to do that in Gordon and in Isak and others but they weren't able to follow that through so um, yeah it was just a it was a really Really bad day at the office all round. Well, I agree with George, and I do agree with a lot of the the critique out there that large parts of performance weren't acceptable. That there's 
I've seen a few supporters start to say, we can't keep talking about fatigue. We said it was fatigue the other day. How can it be fatigue this much? It's like, well, fatigue. It does, fatigue doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work in terms of fatigue doesn't just suddenly go. They're played on Thursday night and then it comes on the Sunday. And that's not me defending all parts of the performance. I agree that there were parts of it which they should have been far better. They, they are making basic errors, although I also think that is to do partly and this is not me fully excusing but partly I do think that's to do with mental fatigue as well I think not taking some of those big chances both at Everton yeah. and Spurs I think that's because they're not as mentally sharp as they have been as well as not being physically sharp and then when the game gets tough they, they are struggling and they are and they are making incorrect decisions like Kieran Trippier did at, at, at Everton yeah. on Thursday and so I, I think that that compounds one another and the fact that it's just you just have another game coming up straight away and another huge match I mean to go to Spurs Today and then uh, yesterday, sorry, and then go to Milan and play Milan on Wednesday. These are mass- these are huge matches, both of which really do affect Newcastle's season. And so I-, I do think that as much as we can't just write off anything and say that it was just it was just fatigue, I also think that we can't just keep saying oh they can't just keep using it as a fatigue as an issue. It's not like they've had a week or two weeks rest in between these matches. It has been compounded. Those same ten players have started. The outfield players have started all of those games and. To, to they probably haven't fully shaken off mentally what happened at Everton, for example, and then they go to to Spurs and, and then and then you have to go again. I just think that's very very difficult. It's very very difficult to just say we can't just keep saying it's fatigue because I do think that that is a huge factor within this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Absolutely, yes. Uh, and as at Goodison Park, another decent spell straight after half-time went up and smoked, and it was an avoidable goal for the uh, for the hosts. Uh, we're lucky that they didn't get complete revenge for that 6-1 Moreland at St James's Park last season, George. It could easily have ended up uh, that kind of scoreline, couldn't it? it? It certainly could, yeah. And again, as as Chris had have alluded to, it was big moments at either end of the pitch. Newcastle just weren't, weren't up to it. They didn't take their chances, and then they didn't prevent Spurs' chances, and so they got what they... They got what they deserved, but on that on that subject of fatigue, I do want to sort of talk about that a little bit because I've sort of written that, uh, written about that in uh, in what I've done post post match. And one of the things I've like looked at is not just about these starting players; it's also about the subs that Newcastle are able to to, to use. And the fundamental way that Newcastle approach games has changed and has had to change because of these big long list of injuries. So, yes, it's been a source of controversy or a little bit of controversy amongst fans about why Howe hasn't changed things between games. But also he's not changing things 
in games. Let's take take Spurs away a bit because in the end we saw Callum Wilson come back, Sean Longstaff come back and then he put three other players on so he made five subs. But listen to this because I think this is quite interesting. In the first four matches of this season, including that hammering of Aston Villa, he used five subs four times. So in every, every game he made five subs. Until Tottenham yesterday, he'd only used five subs once in the last four matches. And the players who were coming onto the pitch in those first four games of the season, substitutes coming on were getting an average of 18 minutes per game. In the last four games, not including Spurs again, they're getting two and a half minutes per game. You know, there was that theory at the start of the season. Attacking players were being given 60 minutes, 70 minutes to absolutely have a blast, to run as far and as fast as they could, to give everything, to press, to push, to harry. And then they were getting replaced by players of similar quality. Whereas now, those options just aren't there. And he was asked a bit about this post-game. It's like, why aren't you making more changes? And it was like, well, I want to make changes that can have a positive impact in the game. In other words, he doesn't feel that players that he has on the bench or that could be selected in place of the others could, could do that. So, in other words, if you're asking Alexander Isak, who Chris mentioned, to play for 100 minutes or 90 minutes, you're going to get a very different Alexander Isak from one who can play 60 minutes. I mean, how said their intensity hasn't been there for the last two games. That's not something that they've done on purpose, but it's the way it's ended up. But I also think, I mean, the, the personnel you mentioned, George, you didn't actually go through the names, but you talk about those players who were coming on those first few games. Harvey Barnes comes yeah. on yeah. against Aston Villa the opening day of the season, gets an assist, gets a goal. You've got Sean Longstaff coming onto the pitch. Yeah. You've got Jacob Murphy coming onto the pitch. You've got all the, the actual personnel who are coming on and changing the match. Callum Wilson's coming on. Whereas the, the, it's actually a bit of a misnomer, that stat they used about, they used five subs for one of the games last few weeks because Chelsea. that was actually against Chelsea when he brought on, he brought on three yeah. debutants as under-21s, two of whom were basically an injury time to waste a bit of time. So even then, that that sort of doesn't really, isn't really representative of it. And I think that that it, it, it has significantly changed everything you can do if you look at is it i mentioned this on friday what he did at everton was basically rather than bring people off the bench he tried to move around his front three and he did similar to begin with i mean he actually moved alexander isak from striker mm-hmm. to left wing again at spurs and put gordon through the middle in the second half and that in itself you you say alexander isak we've seen he can play on the left but basically everyone every newcastle fan really would tell you of vast majority would say he's better through the middle but at the minute it isn't working and so they're having to switch that around gordon really fundamentally has been most effective when he's been out wide but he's yeah. trying to change things with the players who are already fatigued who are already played those matches and see can i do something a little bit different here rather than turn to his bench now that that then brings us back to squad depth and and who, who Newcastle signed and should they have signed more midfielders should they have done this should they have done that obviously Sandro Tonali's situation the, the big thing which has is, is, is changed a lot as well but that that's the position he's in where basically he has 10 or 11 outfield players now he's got Wilson and Longstaff back but he only really trusts them to materially affect these matches and that is affecting them significantly yes uh, here's a little uh, question from listener Gav uh, he sent this in after the Everton game by the way so to be fair to him he wasn't to know that both fullbacks will be subbed on Sunday uh, both fullbacks being played into the ground yet Hall can't get onto the pitch we're obviously riddled with injuries and a player who can play in multiple multiple positions sorry doesn't get a kick uh, does the obligation to buy have a clause dependent on the number of games and how has decided he doesn't fancy him so we've got to keep him under that figure George any ideas about this well I'd, I'd like to sort of address the first bit first so 
not for the first time Eddie was was asked about this after Spurs and obviously Hall did come on against Chelsea and the way he answered this was to say that Tino Livramento has been excellent at left back since Dan Burns injury and I think most of us would agree with that and he also praised Kieran Trippier and you know de facto captain even when he isn't captain the standard bearer for Newcastle since the takeover he said all those things there's been a lot of people calling for Trippier to have a rest particularly after Everton and clearly he needs it but Howe also made the point that if you take Trippier out of the team he'll come out anyway against against Fulham of course but if you take Trippier out of the team you're losing your biggest threat on the on the pitch that side of the pitch with Trippier um, you know Trippier's delivery Trippier's set pieces and free kicks is Newcastle's biggest attacking threat as well so you then lose that you don't just lose so he made those points first and then said on Lewis Hall he has got to make an impact when he comes on and the inference there is clear that as far as I'm concerned it was anyway that that impact just hasn't happened now it's 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 a fact that Lewis Hall has been hooked at half-time and three of his starts for Newcastle, that has felt a little bit harsh at times. But at the same time, he hasn't made enough of an impact. Sometimes it takes players longer than others to settle. And I think that's certainly what I'm reading into that. When Howe was asked about not being able to make changes, he says, I want to make changes that benefit the team. And again, the inference from that is he doesn't feel that the resources he has at his disposal would strengthen the team. In fact, it would make the team weaker. So that's why he hasn't been making... He doesn't want to write off matches against Everton or against Spurs. You know, yeah. he doesn't want to prioritise one game ahead of, ahead of the other, particularly in the bread and butter of the league. And that's why he's done it. Now, in terms of the, the contractual situation... I don't, I'm, you know, I have to just be honest and say, yes, I've heard those rumours. As far as we were concerned in the summer, it was a loan with an obligation to buy and that was done and settled. Yeah, I've heard the rumours that there might be clauses, but I, I don't know. I don't know about that. And I don't think that would stop Howe from playing him now either. I mean, he has said himself, when you're looking at Anthony Gordon, when you're looking at other players who brought in, some have taken longer to adapt to what he wants than others. And I don't think Hall has had long enough yet to be able to, you know, to write him off. In terms of the, the contractual uh, situation, I agree, George. I don't know the specific ins and outs of it, but ever since this deal happened, everyone on all sides has spoken as if that this is the permanent or they expect it to be permanent. There was Hall spoken about basically leaving Chelsea. There was a bit weird that Chelsea's wording was slightly different than Newcastle's when it actually was announced, but everyone at Chelsea is basically speaking as if that, that Lewis Hall's leaving because for them, for FFP, it'd be quite important that they get that money next this upcoming summer as well. And Newcastle, the way Howe speaks about him is long term. And it hasn't worked out for me yet, but you also have to remember that Lewis Hall, he's seen as a sort of senior player, but he's 19 years of age and he's played fewer than 20 senior matches in his yeah, career exactly. so far as well. Yeah. So he is, I know, I know you can look at it and be like, well, Lewis Miley's in the team and, it, and, it, and he's performing well, or Tino Livermento's not that much older. But Tino Livermento's basically two years further on his development. And also Miley partly is in the team because he, he he's had to be and he has stepped up. But Lewis Hall hasn't yet taken those opportunities. But that doesn't mean that you sort of write him off at this stage. And clearly he isn't doing what Howe wants him to do yet. But we saw with Anthony Gordon last season, it took him six months to get used to what Eddie Howe wanted before he really came through. Lewis Hall, it may take a bit longer. And things may not work out longer term, but I don't think at this stage Newcastle have suddenly written, written them off. No, no. And just to go again, I'm just sort of remembering as Chris speaks, when 
when they made made those two deals and when people were questioning why Newcastle had invested so much money on two two young fullbacks in the summer as opposed to strengthening other areas of the team the message that came back was that they'd tied down you know right back and left back theoretically for years to come and there's a theory you know that they would have England's England's right and left back uh, partnership not that people particularly care about England but you know that was the, very much the thinking and that was very much yeah. the theory Lewis Hall is an exceptionally talented player he's shown that you know until the moment he's joined Newcastle it hasn't been there for him it hasn't looked like it yet I think he's trying very hard um, but you know he wouldn't be the first he, he wouldn't be the first player to struggle to adapt to what Eddie Howe wants he arrived very late in the window it's not like he had a long pre-season with Newcastle and so yeah we've got to give him time to settle and, and to make his mark I'm sure he will he's came into a difficult situation as well George hasn't he you've got to remember it's not like he's just come in he's getting minutes here and there and, and Eddie Howe's able to bring him in gently and, and and just slowly bring him into the team and develop him he's been thrown in at the deep end a couple of times you know that Dortmund away game yeah. Man City in the Cubs stuff like that the, the, the lad has been chucked in when maybe he's Normally, he wouldn't have been. So I, I do feel for him a little bit, you know, and totally. I, I understand that the levels are maybe not quite there yet. But like Chris says, he's, he's a kid and his development will come. It, it, it's just going to take time, isn't it? It's it's one of those. And again, I mean, the, the same thing applies to the kids who are on the, who've been on the bench for the last kind of few matches too. Again, I've, I've heard that sort of thing. Um, what You know, you should just give them a game if they're on the bench, you know. You know why not just why not just refresh things, give them a chance. They've got young legs and run. But I mean, you know, there are there are several points about that. I mean, firstly, they have to be ready, and you know, there are huge doubts. You know, Lewis Miley has come in and been been exceptional, but he is exceptional. That's the whole point. And the others may may not be ready, and I don't think they are. And then the other part of it is whether by thrusting them into a very difficult situation, whether you risk sort of jeopardising their long term development. That's another thing too. And I think the same thing applies to. Someone like Lewis Hall, he is still very young. He's getting to grips with a new club. Ideally, this is a relationship that lasts for for years and years. And so you have to take a step back and think about it in in those terms. Everybody's very grumpy at the minute because Newcastle have just lost two away games very heavily. But there is a bigger picture, and that bigger picture was part of the justification for what they did in the summer. We don't feel it at the minute because things are very tough. And if they'd, you know, if they'd signed players in different positions who could have gone straight into the first team then perhaps Newcastle wouldn't be in the position they're in but yeah. you know again this is also part of of dealing with multiple competitions and trying to get to grips with it and in lots of respects Newcastle have thrived and done very well with it certainly in terms of personnel they they have not Yes, absolutely. Uh, and speaking of feeling grumpy, Callum Wilson wasn't very happy with uh, Spurs <laughs> keeper Vicario, was he? Here's a little bit of audio from Callum. There's a way to win, isn't there? Um, I think we've seen it in the week when Everton were winning and Pickford was messing around. You know, the goalkeeper, I've had a header, he starts pulling faces and messing around and this is a lack of respect, I thought. But I said my piece, we're grown men, We uh, when we move on. Is that reaction fair enough? <laughs> uh, or do perennial shithousers eventually have to take a bit back, Chris? People are going to enjoy beating Newcastle, aren't they? Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, for Callum Wilson, I do think it's a little bit of pot calling the kettle black because he is someone who quite likes to wind up opposition players. I mean, he has his sort of podcast, doesn't he, with Mikel Antonio, and he did that celebration after scoring last season. I, I think that it's... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily do that, but I... I, I, I 
obviously I'm not a very good footballer, so I wouldn't be in a position to do that for a start. But also, that's not my sort of... That's not the way that I sort of conduct myself. But I, I don't understand... <laughs> it's not the way you conduct yourself. What? <laughs> you quite often pull faces at me when we're working together on this podcast. I mean, yeah. you, you, you pull Always faces at me. Always what are you on about? That's not the way you would act. Who are you, Mr. Dignified? I don't think so. What are you on about? I was going to make a comment before, actually, because Taylor, as you were speaking, giving a lo- long soliloquy about uh, Lewis Hall before, opened the door to let the George that we that we prefer out of his room. And uh, clearly he was just bored. George the dog was just bored of listening that's, to you, George. But anyway, uh, on, the, on this point, no, I, 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 think it's, I, think it, I think it is fair enough. I mean, there was the Jordan Pickford stuff the other day as well. I, I, I think that if you give it, you've got to take it to a certain extent. And I, and I can understand why. I think Newcastle are just frustrated in general. I'd be thinking going around them. Yeah, I, I, I it, think it's it? fair enough. It's totally fair enough. If you know Jordan Pickford is a Sunderland fan, former Sunderland player, if he can't get excited and and happy about beating Newcastle, then there's something seriously wrong with the world. It might irritate us as Newcastle fans, but I mean, that's what football's all about. We love that. And exactly. he gets baited absolutely all the way through matches. And when you've got Jacob Murphy waving players exactly. off the pitch when they've been sent off, exactly. I mean, you so really if you finish. if you reverse those situations yesterday, and it's Martin Dubravka, you know Newcastle are winning, Martin Dubravka's pulling faces at Son, for example. I mean, we would all be laughing. There would be constant memes. It would be it would be brilliant. Um, you know, Newcastle are there to be. You know, last season when Jacob was doing doing all that kind of stuff, or the season before, Newcastle were the underdogs. They were having a great time. They were shocking the Premier League. They were catching them unawares with not just the way that the brilliant way they played, but also with the way they gave everything for a win. And you know that puts a target on their back. So yeah, if you give it, you've got to take it. So um, I under- totally understand Callum Wilson, who's great, being upset with that. But Newcastle have done that kind of stuff so much to other teams. Absolutely right. Then time to move on, chaps. Uh, happier news. Uh, we mentioned the losses earlier, uh, and they did fulfil their part of the bargain in making it a Super Sunday in Gateshead at least. Uh, Five nil winners in the FA Cup third round against Stoke. Katie Barker and Anna Soulsby were rampant down the left hand side, and Bridget Galloway continued her great season in front of goal. They'll find out their fourth round opponents on Tuesday, the twelfth of December, at around nine thirty a.m. And you'd imagine there'll be a few championship clubs, maybe even the odd WSL out who don't fancy pulling Newcastle out of the hat. Uh, strength to strength, George, for the lasses. They, they keep marching on, don't they? Yeah, I mean, a massive, massive win that. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I just think that it, it would be brilliant, wouldn't it, to get a big a big, a big, big club, big team in yeah. the next round, see how they go. I don't... Like Chelsea I, or a Man City. Yeah, as you say, I don't think anybody would want to would want to play Newcastle in, in this form and it would be brilliant to see them tested against the kind of club that they want to be in the next two three years so uh yeah huge congratulations to them and um brilliant yeah long may it long may it continue fabulous stuff uh, more happy news as well you can give your loved ones the gift of the athletic this year for christmas uh go to the athletic.com forward slash newcastle pod before january the 1st and choose between 1999 that's pounds dollars or euros for a one-year subscription or 39.99 for two years and if that's not value chris woff I don't want to hear it. It's amazing value. You always come to me for this and I never have a response. So yes, it is. I know, and that's why I keep doing it. Because I think one week he's going to chip in with some little nugget of advertising gold. And it never is, is it? A little nugget of advertising shit, usually. That's where it is. You got anything to say for yourself? No, you can just read George Culkin on, on The Athletic if you want to. That's There you go. Yeah, well, who wouldn't want to do that? Give your family the gift of Chris Woff for Chris... 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Right then, chaps, Wednesday night at St. James's Park. The Champions League is back. Is this, Chris Wolf, the biggest game in the history of Newcastle United? It's a big shout, but it very well could be. I don't think it's the biggest game in the history of Newcastle United. I mean, we could all go back to the David Kelly game and the likes. I mean, that's long before my time, but I think in terms of... So I don't think it's quite that big, but I do think it's huge, a huge match. I think it's huge in the context of Newcastle's season, given everything that's come before, given what they could do by by going through and the financial ramifications potentially of that. As much as it's frustrating for me to talk about football all being about finances, a large part of it is, and for Newcastle in particular, unlocking FFP it is, and if they get further in the Champions League, then that could aid them for January and beyond. Um, but particularly after the deflating defeats at Everton and, and Spurs, for Newcastle to, to potentially go through the, the so-called group of death and qualify from the Champions League and get into the last 16, I think would be huge. I think it would give them a, a boost going forward as well. And mercifully, it's at home because at home, Newcastle are very, very good. Yeah. Away from home, they, they are really struggling. I mean, I say that, they're the most recent Champions League match at home. They did actually lose 1-0 to Dortmund and that was the sort of... Um, the one really flat performance I've had at St. James's all season. Other than that, almost exemplary, barring 10 minutes against Liverpool. That's the only defeat they've had in the Premier League. They've won the last six in a row in the Premier League, obviously beating Manchester City as well at St. James's Park. And so I think it will be, although we expected a big atmosphere for Dortmund, didn't quite arrive. I think that this one, given everything that's come before, given the magnitude of the match, I think this will be a very, very special evening at St. James's Park atmosphere-wise. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a tone setter, isn't it? I mean, I think what happens definitely sets sets out the debate 
for the next chunk of matches this season. I think it's yeah, it's difficult to say it's the biggest game in the history. What I would say though is that PSG at home turned out to be one, you know, one of if not the best matches in Newcastle United's history, recent history, however you want to put it. And it was an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal occasion. It's something that will live with us forever. What I want is for that match to have some meaning other than just being a great night at St James's Park, one of the best nights. And everything's up for grabs. They've got a chance to get through. They've got a chance to stay in Europe. And I think that's important. The irony is that it would probably do Newcastle a favour to have less games to play at the moment, but this is the club they want to be. They want to be playing in Europe, they want to be playing in the biggest competitions, and it's a huge match in the context of just what's been happening in recent weeks. A couple of players are back, that's great news. They have a chance to, you know, to have a go and those players will be needed. Yeah, I think it's a massive, massive, massive occasion. I think we can make a judgment on it afterwards, really, see what happens. But it's a massive game and it should be it should be brilliant. War flags with uh, big plans again as well uh, for the day. Atmosphere should be electric, as Chris says. We've got to hope that re-energises the players, don't we, Chris? And that group is in such a precarious situation where I think I'm right in saying every single team could still qualify, depending on, on the way results go. It's got a potential to be a barnstormer, hasn't it? It has. I mean, all eventualities are possible, certainly for Newcastle. I mean, if Newcastle Newcastle can finish any of the positions from second through to fourth, which means they can either go from through in the Champions League or they can drop in the Europa League or they can be out of European competition altogether. Yeah. Now, as we've mentioned before, it's quite actually quite simple this now as to what has to happen. Newcastle have to win to have a chance of going through and then they need Dortmund to do them a favour in Dortmund against PSG. If Newcastle win, I think they then have a very good opportunity of going through because PSG are struggling away from home. If if Newcastle draw, then they will be in the Europa League. If they lose, then they'll be out completely, and that's to do with like head to head and the like. Um, with actually with Milan, it would go down to goal difference, and Newcastle's goal difference is, is going to be better than the Milan's after this match. So I do think that the atmosphere can can re-energize the players, but I also think that. As I mentioned, the St. James's Park factor. I think it's both the home fans and what they give to Newcastle, but I also think Newcastle have a very defined way of playing at home. They know what to do, whereas it, away from home at the moment, as as we mentioned earlier, maybe they're caught between stools a little bit, given the and that's probably been exacerbated by the injury crisis and, and, and the fatigue as to they don't know whether to go full throttle. They don't know whether to sit off a little bit, whereas the onus on them at St. James's Park is to basically attack when they can and to, and, to, and to smother opposition sides and that's what they do well and I think that that's what we will see on Wednesday whether that's enough to beat an AC Milan side who are going through a difficult period themselves we, we will wait and see but I do think that, that at St James's Park if this game was a way I would fear for them at St James's Park I do fancy Newcastle to have a very good opportunity on Wednesday I think that's fair enough and I was also going to say you know okay the last two games Newcastle looked knackered but you only have to go one game further back and the man you you know the man you game Newcastle were excellent you know obviously against a poor Manchester United team but they were they were they were brilliant they were exceptional they found a way to to respond most of the time I mean that's one of the great things about this team the resilience they've shown the ability to bounce back just when you're at the point where you're thinking you might write them off they dredge up a result because they've got this incredible bond and they've got you know and they're also very very good I hope that the combination of crowd and 
reinforcements coming back and just the magnitude of the occasion is is enough to kind of get them through it uh, you know i agree with chris i think that i think this game is there for them um it's easy for me to say watching on the sidelines but you know i would i would always back this team to come through and yeah i mean on a huge night like this i think this is where they show what they're made of we touched on this on Monday as well, Chris, didn't we? But should Eddie Howe throw the kitchen sink at this one, uh, we, you know, and just damn the Premier League form? We withdrew some important figures towards the end of that game, didn't we? Once the result was pretty much tied up, is it worth just throwing everything at this because it's he such? Th- an he, th- game? he throws everything at every game. But just to just to jump in, go on, Chris. Yeah, no, I was, I was going to make exactly the same point. I think Eddie Howe has one way and one way only, and. And we can argue as to whether that's worked over the course of the last few weeks, and maybe Newcastle have suffered as a result of that. But that that's why he's been so successful at Newcastle, and why he was so successful at Bournemouth for so long. And he will, he will. This is the next game, and and that is the cliche in football. But that is how Eddie Howe looks at it, and this is a massive opportunity. And he won't be thinking of Fulham yet. He he only allowed Newcastle to start. I actually, if I was the manager, and thankfully. I'm sure everyone will agree. Absolutely, I'm not. Absolutely, yeah. There's uh, nobody needs that. <laughs> at half time at Spurs, I would have made changes. And actually, Newcastle's best 15 minutes came after half time, and they actually held on to the ball because in the first half they were terrible and couldn't hold on to the ball. But they held on to the ball a little bit more. They hadn't written it off at that stage. And he waited really until the game was fully gone before he withdrew players. And and, and will that have a knock on effect for Wednesday? I hope not. But yeah, this, this, this it will not be what's happening on Saturday with Fulham that will be occupying his mind. He's thinking, how can I beat AC Milan on Wednesday? This is the team I'm going to send out. This is the this is the plan to do that. And whether that means that it's a very similar situation where it's the same 10 outfield players, if Callum Wilson or Sean Longstaff are ready to come into the start 11, can they come into the start 11? Or do they come on slightly earlier or in a similar time to, to the did at Spurs? No, this is this is the only thing in, in Eddie Howe's mind is Milan and that there will be no questions whatsoever on that. And again, I've, I've sort of seen a little bit or certainly in response to like the piece that I've written uh, today, people saying, oh, he should have made changes for Spurs. He should have sort of done that. This is, you know, I think this kind of gets to the heart of the matter. He's not going to ever rule, you know, uh, write off a game at Tottenham. I mean, the late Newcastle, Newcastle going forward have to try and win every game in the Premier League. I mean, that's, and from his perspective, he doesn't feel that the people that he has in reserve at the moment are good enough to to win matches, which is why he stayed with the same 11. The data, the stats they've shown is that those players were, were okay to play. They wanted to play. And again, I'm sort of repeating myself, but that thing is he said, if I make changes, they have to be positive changes. And he hasn't, in, to his to his mind, he hasn't had the resources available to make a positive change. So he attacked Tottenham with the aim of trying to win it, or certainly not to lose it. Of course, he will do the same thing against Milan. He has to. I mean, Newcastle have to win the match. So that's you know that's the first thing they can't sit back, and um, it's the way it's the way Newcastle approach approach every game. He's been able to make kind of big changes for domestic domestic cups because he's felt he's had no choice like most other Premier League managers but you can't rest players for Champions League games you can't rest players for for Premier League matches I totally understand that Absolutely uh, one key figure uh, for the Rossoneri uh, Rafael Leao he's back in training after a bit of a hamstring injury uh, he's a huge player for them isn't he Chris and he caused absolute havoc at the San Siro Kieran Trippier is going to need to be back at his very best. Yeah, I don't think Trippier will be fancying that from a defensive point of view, um, given the last couple of matches. And he didn't have much protection, let's be honest, at Spurs and Son. Certainly first half had a lot of joy against him. But yeah, Liao did play very well. He's a huge player for Milan. 
But I also think this is, as I said previously, I think this is about what Newcastle do more than anything. I think if Newcastle perform to their levels, Milan will find it difficult at St. James's. But they did. Newcastle didn't perform to their levels against Dortmund at St. James's. And at that very top level, at the elite level, they they, they, they suffered for it and, and then lost away at Dortmund, which is why they're in this position now where they have to win. And even then, that might not be enough. But th- this Milan side has struggled in the Champions League so far this season, but they are experienced at this level. Obviously got the semi-finals last year. Part of the reason why Sandro Tonali ended up at St. James's Park after Newcastle saw him and, and worked with him. I mean, we, we're sort of doing a piece at the moment looking at Sandro Tonali and, and his situation ahead of Wednesday when this is... He would have, in a different, in an alternate reality, he would have, he would have been starting Newcastle's big Champions League signing, starting against his former side yeah. on Wednesday, the, the real key figure within the match. And instead, he isn't there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I just think there are so many storylines and so many... Di- little bits to look at with this the hour against Trippier Tonali not playing can can Newcastle play the same 10 outfield players again or, or Longstaff and Wilson ready are any of the other players going to be back could could Botman or Barnes be in and around the squad come Wednesday we don't know the answer to those questions yet but the, the, I do think as George said this is a tone setter and I think it could have a big impact on how Newcastle season so far is viewed because I think if they, if they if they don't get through in the Champions League and certainly if they finish bottom of the group I think suddenly the, the, this last week is 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 made, put a very negative tinge on what for large parts has been I think a positive season given all of the adversity Newcastle have had to go through yes I would agree with that uh well I think that's just about it unless there's anything else George um no for what it's worth anyhow was asked about Harvey Barnes after Spurs and he said that he wasn't the closest player of Newcastle's injured players to be coming back. Interesting. But, as we also know, Eddie Howe isn't necessarily the biggest truth-teller when, when it comes to injuries. We'll forgive him that, <laughs> but I just thought I'd throw that in there. No, I mean, it's a massive, massive game. Things feel deflating this morning, but come Wednesday night, I know St James's Park will be absolutely, um, will be absolutely raucous, and it's, it has the potential to be one of those occasions that, you know, stretch down the ages, doesn't it? And uh, we all, you know, I'd... I'd Newcastle absolutely uh, as a as a team as a club are at their best when everyone rallies round together and I know that'll be the case on Wednesday us against the world it's a very powerful very powerful thing yes St James's Park will be bang up for it uh, right then that's it feel free to get in touch at pod on the tine on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it uh, and email us at pod on the tine at theathletic.com that's it for this episode thank you very much Chris you're very welcome. You need to go and have a lie down, Taylor, and get yourself prepped and ready for for Wednesday. You need to get your mind you know back what? in it, and you need to you need to forget for fatigue. If only we had quality coming off the bench, I could have been rotated ages ago, couldn't I? But if you take me out of this, crying out for take rotation. me out of this starting lineup, the whole thing's just going to fucking fall apart, basically. <laughs> We're crying out for replacements. We've both had a go at presenting when you've been poorly or whatever. It didn't go didn't go well, Taylor. So I'm sorry. We're flogging you. We're flogging you, but we just don't have the options. Don't oh, have the legs. I feel like Kieran Trippier. I really do. Uh, right. Thank you very much, George, as well, for your time. You're very welcome. Yeah, see you at St. James's. Absolutely. That's it. Thanks very much from everybody at Pod on the Tine. Have a good week. We shall speak to you on the other side of that AC Milan game in the Champions League. Take care. Have a lovely week. Bye-bye. The 
Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.